You guys, after months of waiting and a year of writing, my new book, Girl, Wash Your Face, is finally out in the world. I want to thank you so much, every single one of you who has bought the book on ebook or a physical copy or on audio. Your support means the world to me. And if you are listening to my podcast and you haven't yet bought the book, you're dead to me. No, I'm totally kidding. But I am serious about how important this book is. I keep talking about it because I sincerely believe there are tools in it that can help change your life. So if you have the $16, I want you to go buy it right now because you love your pal Rach. And if you don't, head to the library or borrow it from a friend. But if you care enough to listen here, you're going to love the wisdom inside of this book. Girl, wash your face. I promise you will not be sorry you did. So don't worry that everything is the biggest decision in your life and everything has to be perfect and done a certain way. Make decisions, take action daily, because I promise you it's going to morph into something different and beautiful. Welcome to the Deus Podcast. My name is Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and a Google search bar. Each week, we'll share direct, tangible advice or inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life. Today on the podcast, I'm sitting down with online marketing expert, educator, and the host of Online Marketing Made Easy, Amy Porterfield. We're discussing what it takes to create a successful online marketing campaign, why process are key, and how entrepreneurs can bypass self-doubt. So um, for, you know, someone lives under a rock, if they have never heard of you before, will you, um, will you tell us what you do and then how you got here? Yes. So I help budding entrepreneurs build their email list as they begin to start their business online. And then from there, create online training courses based on their skills and their knowledge so that they don't have to work one-on-one, but they could work one-to-many. And then from there, I teach them how to use webinars in order to promote their courses online. So I primarily focus on list building, course creation, and webinars. Now, was the question, how did I get started in all of yeah, this? How did you get, how did you get started? How did you get to that? That is very specific line of work. <laughs> yeah. So very true. Okay. So back in the day, I started my marketing career with Harley Davidson motorcycles, but I am not a biker chick by any means. And so that's kind of where I started to learn about this whole idea of a tribe and loyal followers. And I mean, they would tattoo the logo of the brand on their arms. So they were like diehards. So I did that just in my early days of learning marketing. But from there, I moved on to work with peak performance coach, Tony Robbins. And for six and a half years, I got to travel the world with Tony and his team and work on the content that he would do on stage and in his digital products. And so that was really where I learned how to create content. And while I was there, about the last two years, we started getting into online launches. So we learned from some of the best of the best in the industry because Tony's well-connected So he brought in these internet marketing gurus and they taught us how to launch our digital products online. And at that time, this is how humbling it was. I was called into a meeting 
to take notes at a table that was not the main table. And I was pushed in a corner and I was asked to take notes. And he brought in all these internet marketers. They were all guys and they were doing big things with their online courses. And so he went around and he said, tell me about your business. I'm interested. I want to get more into online launches. I want to hear about what you do. So these guys would talk about their businesses and my ears perked up like, what in the world are they talking Mm -hmm. about? Because they talked about their lifestyle and their freedom and running their business and calling the shots. And I thought, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I need some of that. And so in that moment, I got this entrepreneurial bug, but it wasn't until about a year later that I really got the courage to think maybe I could do this on my own. So for a full year, I asked to move into the marketing department with Tony Robbins business and do the live launches and launch products. And we did webinars. We focused on list building. We created courses. And so that was my launching ground for me personally. And about a year later, I got the courage to start working just part-time so I could work on my own business on the side. Had no idea really what I was going to do. Then I got the courage after working part-time to say, can I work from home a little bit? And then after I was working from home a little bit, I asked, well, I didn't ask. I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I took the leap and started my own online marketing business, which was just doing social media for people. That's all I knew how to do at the time. So that's kind of how this whole thing got started. Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I mean, I th- we must have talked about this when I did your podcast because I, I must have said to you, you know that Tony Robbins is my greatest hero. No. So we oh, never talked about oh, that. I don't think. Not, and in fact, if you know anything negative about him, you can't ever tell me because that's how much I love him. I love that um, you said that. Oh my He's gosh, an I, amazing person. Amazing. My heart needed you to tell me that that was real. Um, yes. I love him so much and I respect what he's done. Um, so ugh, it makes my heart explode. Um, <laughs> but I'm, my, I'm having even trouble forming words right now because I'm so excited to ask questions. So I guess what I would what I would love to know is you start off in you go from Harley to Robin's research or, or peak performance or whatever, whatever part of his business you were working in at the time. And both of those strike me as very male dominated like businesses. Is that accurate to say? Yes, very much so. And so how did it feel? I mean, even the story with like, you're, you know, taking notes in the corner, how did it feel to, did that feel intimidating to you? Do you feel like you were able to kind of adopt some of that behavior and that bravado? How did it feel to be a young woman in those spaces? Very intimidating. And I didn't have tons of confidence in doing what I was doing. And so I was very worried about what would people think of me if I said, I want to go out on my own. I want to create my own courses and do my own launches. I don't even think I utter that to anybody other than my husband because I was embarrassed because nobody else was talking about that in the Robbins organization doing their own thing. And it was a whole bunch of men that were actually even older than me at the time. So I thought, I don't know. It's funny you ask this question because looking back, I don't even know why I thought this was even an option. I couldn't see myself in anybody that was doing it at the time. Not really. When I started to research and explore, there were some women that were kicking butt and I gravitated toward them instantly. Marie Forleo was one of the people I met 
still at Robbins. I ran into her at a live event that I was going to for this guy, Frank Kern. We were in the hallways. Of course, we were early to the event. I'm always early to everything. So I'm early. And so is she. And we started talking. She was probably the first female entrepreneur who was already kicking butt. And thank God I met her because I needed to see myself somewhere out there. Mm, So that was like God guided for sure. How now what year was this when you decided to set out on your own? 2009. Okay. So you've been, you've been doing it for a hot minute. Yep. How has the industry evolved and changed? I mean, this is such an ever shifting market and an ever shifting space. Yes. Or do you feel like what you're doing, the idea of list building and email, like that's tried and true and that doesn't go anywhere. So that's a great question because I do feel like what I do is tried and true. And this is something that I've been talking about all along for almost 10 years. However, back when I started, it was slimier, actually. It was big yellow buttons flashing on a lead page yeah. that, you know, arrows saying sign up here. And and you didn't really know what you were signing up for. And things felt a little shady back then. Whereas now, you know, transparency is a keyword we all use and authenticity. Those words were not being thrown around back then. And I'm so glad that they are now. So as I've kind of come into my own and built this online business, it's really refreshing that I get to be more of myself where back then I wasn't for sure. However, the weird thing is if you're just starting out now, I think you have a huge advantage that you walk into this being encouraged and celebrated to be yourself and show up just as you are, where I've had to almost learn that because it's not like I've been fake, but I sure as heck haven't been sharing all parts of me. I think that's why I am such a huge fan of you because you share all parts of you. I've (laughs) I've never done that before. And so I didn't learn that back in the day. It might've been there, but I didn't see it. And sure as heck, these guys weren't talking about it. So it's a different world in that sense. How you show up today is very different how you had to show up back then. So, so back um, at the beginning of your career, I would love to hear about how you think, I mean, I know you said like with Harley learning about tribes and culture and someone caring that much about a brand played such a role into the business that you would end up building. How did, I'm curious how traveling the world with him and working at that company, which I, I would imagine you were exposed at such a young age in your career to kind of what feels like to me, like infinite possibility. Yes. Given his connections and who he knows and where you're traveling to and the reaction from the fans. Do you think that that set you up to believe like, man, anything's possible? A million percent. One thing that you will like to hear that I've said many, many times is that the way Tony is on stage is exactly how he is backstage as well. So all of that passion, all of that energy, all of that in your face, he is like that 24 seven. And so when we would create content behind the scenes and we'd work on new projects, there was never a time that we'd say, Tony, we can't do that. And it wasn't that we said yes to everything because we could throw a bunch of money at it. That was never an option. It was get resourceful and figure out how we're going to do this. And so because that was in my face every single day, now that I have this business, there is never a time that somebody on my team tells me that we cannot do something. They wouldn't be on my team if they did. I always know, like I know in my bones that there is always a way to figure this out. And it might not happen today or tomorrow, but it is going to happen. 
And I completely took that from what I learned working with Tony and, and building and watching him build what he was building. And so all of that infinite possibility, like you said, it is exactly what has shaped me to be who I am today. So I was very lucky in that. Yeah. I, uh, early in my career, I worked for a production company and the entertainment industry is so cutthroat and it absolutely is whatever we ask you for. We needed it yesterday. Whatever we ask you for, there's no such thing as no, you're just going to figure it out. Yes. And it's really stressful when you're you know, oh, 22 so and trying stressful. to make things work. But what a gift that has been in my career, because I think it's the same thing is uh, of course we can do that. Of course we know how, of course, like the amount of things like shooting the cover of a book or launching a website, or it's like, we'll just figure these things out as we go. So it's, oh, it's I could see it in everything you do. I knew that just by watching you. Oh, so man, that's why you. I love you so much. It's so cool. From a business standpoint, based on what you do now, I want to dig into this because I am also, I will tell you, I'm probably like the problem child. I have an email list and I've actually gotten crap from other people who do what you do. So I have an email list and I don't think that I use it correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have an email. I send an email on Sundays. It tends to just be like a few little nuggets of like, here's what's happening in my life. I don't really use it to sell. I, it's not like I should, I don't, we're, I'm terrible. I've got a list. It's got a lot of people on it. And I think I'm just like, Hey girls, here's my new favorite nail polish color. (laughs) Um, and I have gotten some, some grief from people who are just like, Rachel, what are you doing? Uh, so I would love to, and please don't laugh at what a dumb question this is, but it, I understand the power of email in that someone has given me access to their inbox. But I feel like list building isn't really my problem. I just, I don't know that I do a very good job with it now that I have it. So for for people like me who are listening, like, yeah, girl, I get it. But can you, can you talk us through the value of that and how you can use it as a resource in your life? For sure. Now you actually don't give yourself enough credit because I get your email and I actually love that Sunday personal email where I get a glimpse into your life. So that's working for me, girl. I I love that. Now, the the one thing that you're doing really right, and I want everybody to hear this is, and I get this question a lot. Now that I have an email list, what do I do with them? How often do I email them? How do I take advantage of this? Well, the first thing you do is you email once a week, and that's exactly what you're doing. You need to show up in their inbox, same time, same place, every single week with some kind of great value, whether it be the personal stuff like my favorite nail polish or, hey, check out this latest podcast or blog post that I wrote. So that part is is you're already doing it and you want to be doing that. That's where you're going to start. Now, from there, once you have a list and people are opening it up and opening up your emails and they're used to hearing from you and they like to hear from you, taking it one step further is building out funnels or campaigns. So let's say you've got a promotion coming up. You want to sit down and you want to build out three, four, five emails, depending on how long this promotion is going to happen, where you're going to email more aggressively. And this is where people get nervous. And it's so powerful when you get out of your comfort zone and you put together these emails, you say, Hey, I've got this great opportunity. Let me tell you about it. You're linking to maybe a webinar where you're going to explain it or a video where you talk about it. And then of course you're sending them to a sales page or somewhere where they can buy. This only happens a few times a year. And it is more aggressive in the sense that let's say I was doing a two-week promotion. I might email seven or eight times during that promotion. Now, if I email you two times and you don't open up my email, 
I segment and I say, okay, I'm not going to send you any more promotional emails over the next two weeks because you're not interested. So we pay attention to who's opening and who's not. But if you're opening and you haven't bought yet, you're going to get all of my emails. And the magical thing that happens is if you get four or five emails where I'm telling stories, maybe a case study, linking to something really cool, maybe a challenge. And in the challenge, I eventually sell whatever it might be. You are more likely to buy if you continue to open my emails to the end. Most people buy at the end of a promotion. So consecutive emails over a period of time is exactly how you get people to buy through email marketing. And that's where people get a little bit nervous. The the day I said, I'm not going to be nervous. I'm going to send all of these emails during a two-week promotion is when I hit my biggest numbers. So that's what you want to do next. You just blew my mind. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I love love this. This is such an incredible part about the wisdom that we all carry is that we don't always understand what wisdom it is to other people or how valuable it is to other people. Don't think I'm dumb, but honestly, it has never occurred to me to segment the list for people who aren't opening. Oh, I love I'm that like, you said like, that though. Yeah, it's so I'm, like, good. Yeah. I'm like getting anxiety, like, oh no, I don't want to bother them. But it, of course, of course I should segment the people who don't open because then only the people who want it are going to get it. Why yes. has it not occurred to me before? Holy smokes. <laughs> um, I am positive 100% that um, you have e-courses and things and are like that's your jam right that we yep. all go take we'll, we will link to it in show notes if you are like me and you have a business and you got some emails we're gonna all share all of Amy's stuff so we can all be geniuses <laughs> thank um, you can I can I ask too for someone like me I know we have other listeners too who are maybe um right now it really is like I really am the one doing the emails I mean it, maybe you're like yeah Rach we know that was clearly obvious I really am the one on MailChimp right the thing, finding the pictures, what, and I know that this is not sustainable. It's why we don't have really don't have campaigns or funnels or any of the fancy words that you use because it's just not like, I don't have that capacity. I kind of only can do what I'm doing right now for someone like me. Is it, I assume you have all kinds of clients, but do you have people you suggest like bringing someone in house or holding on to it as long as you can? How do you, how do you advise people who are trying to scale Uh, their email list? Great question. I don't think there's anything wrong with you writing your own content, especially if that's your zone of genius, which for you it is. And for many people, it's just where they love to spend time. But beyond writing the actual email or writing the content that you're going to link to, yes, I definitely think all the other stuff, sourcing the image, getting it set up in your email service provider like MailChimp or whatever you use, and getting it sent out and and putting together the segmenting so you're sending it to the right people, you should be doing none of that. So you write in a Google Doc and that's the only thing you do. A VA could step in and do all the rest. So there, I'm sorry, so like such a dummy right now, but there are, uh, I really sound dumb. There are people who just make emails for a living. Like that's their job. Well, you don't sound dumb at all. This is why I I love talking to you because you ask the questions that everybody else is thinking. So this is great. And especially because in my mind, I've been teaching it so long that I forget, like there's these little middle questions that people want to know. So I love this. It's not that there's somebody out there that just says that, but what 
what is out there is a virtual assistant that will do just about anything if you talk to them and set up a system or together you guys set up a system. So heck yeah, you could hire somebody just five hours a week and that is the only thing they do. There is a virtual assistant that's chomping at the bit to do that for you, Mm -hmm. 100%. That's such a great, that is such great wisdom. I, I mean, because I do think that this is something when you are a small business for sure or you're just starting out, you know, we all tend to wear 57 hats. And as much as the business has scaled, it's still hard for me to let go of some of the things that were what I originally did. And I've heard you talk about this on other people's podcasts. I would love for you to share a little bit about how you structure. You've got a pretty like hard, hardcore is not the right word, but you're really specific with what you do during the week when you do things, how you do things. I remember you on someone's podcast talking about doing like your Facebook groups on a certain day. Am I making yeah. that up? Okay. No, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you're pretty regimented with what your schedule is and how you give away some of that work so it's not all falling on you. Would you talk to that a little bit? Yes. So systems and processes are my jam. That's the thing that I love more than anything. I feel like I should have been a personal organizer in another life. And so I like to do that in my own business. So if a few things. When I'm going to do a Facebook Live, I have a private Facebook group for all my students. I always choose a specific day, a specific time. And then I have somebody on my team that the day before collects all the questions from my students. So she puts out a post and she says, okay, I want all your questions. Amy's going to get live be live tomorrow at noon. So we like to prepare. I know my strengths and one of my strengths is not necessarily answering questions off the cuff. And so I like to look at them. It takes me five minutes to look at them in advance, but I like to kind of just know what's ahead of me. And then I do a much better job. So this little step of collecting questions in advance goes a long way for me to show up better. And so that's what we do. So I have people on my team kind of get organized in the back end. So when I show up, the only thing I have to do is show up and I'm good to go. So I've got a lot of those little systems inside the business. That's so great. Do you feel like you walked into this business with that already like as a part of you or do you think you've had to learn how to adopt some of that behavior in order to keep up? Definitely, I had to adopt some of that behavior. I think I'm naturally organized. However, being organized in my closet in my house is very different than being organized online. And so here's my little secret for that. When I get frustrated with a team member, I have a small team, there's six of us, but when I get frustrated with someone on my team, or if I get frustrated with just a process in general, like this is always hard. Every time we do this, it feels messy and it's hard. And I hate that feeling. It's like my mind says, ding, 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 we need a process or we need a system. Mm -hmm. And so I sit down and it takes practice and habit because I don't want to sit down and figure out what the system is. But if I'm really honest with myself, 20 minutes later, we've got a system. Everybody's on board. I talk to whoever I need to talk to and we're good to go. Because typically, if I'm frustrated with somebody on my team, it's likely because I haven't communicated exactly how I want it done. And I'm the boss, so I better make sure that that is very much clear to everybody on the team. So I put it on myself to create a system if it's not working out well. And then we all just start to follow it. So it it, it has become a habit, but it's not always natural. That's so it's so good, though. Are you I'm uh, you said now, like you don't like answering questions off the cuff and I'm answering I'm asking. Asking no questions that were on the question. This is all good. I'm excited. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, 
how, do you know your Enneagram number? Are you into that at all? I am. And I can't remember the number, but I'm a natural helper. Which one is that? I think you're maybe a two. Yes, helper. exactly a two. Uh, I was going to say a two and I got nervous to say it. It's a two. Yeah. So I just, I'm always curious when people describe their, um, how they function in business or their management style. Do you feel like, I mean, were you given the opportunity to manage team members when you were at the companies you were at before you started your own or did you have to learn how to be a leader? No, I was, I was a manager over at the Robbins organization. So, and I wasn't the greatest one. I, I, I have a best friend that I manage and she's still my best friend. And she jokes with me about like our rough time as me (laughs) learning how to be a manager, but I have a gal on my team. She's my project director and her name's Chloe. She never really really managed anybody one-on-one before she came on the team. And so I'm watching her. She now manages most everyone on my team. And I watch her and I remember it's a hard thing. She's reading the new one minute manager and she's listening to podcasts about team building and culture. And I forget that you've got, you have to teach yourself this stuff because it does not come naturally for most. Oh my gosh, not at all. And I think even I've owned a business now for 13, almost 14 years. And I'm still reading the leadership books. I'm still trying to figure out how to do it better and, and analyze what's working and what's not. Because I I just love that you said those, I actually am taking notes as if at one point, I'm not kidding. I was like, wait, am I on her podcast or she on? I'm just like literally writing down everything you're saying. But I love the idea. um, Anytime that it feels hard or feels frustrating or, Hey man, we found ourselves in this situation again. Because I do think, so I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is the achiever and achievers hate detail. And I with a passion, like, and God bless my operations manager who knows I need top line. I need high level. I don't want to know the tiny minutia. She is excellent at that. She's a two. We work really well together. Um, but I just can't hit my brain wants to explode. I just can't. So I feel like this is so good for me to hear because there are those things in our lives where we run into frustration or it's not working and it's very hard for me to slow down long enough to build the process to make it better. Okay. So let me ask you a quick question. Like we're on my own podcast. So you being a three, like detail is my thing. And so for you, it's not, and I could see how it could like make your skin crawl sometimes. So if, if it's not, I'm assuming then you just make sure you surround yourself with people that will handle all of that. Right. Yeah. And do you get worried that you don't know the details? Well, so I know the detail I need to know. Um, And and I've had to work to this place, obviously, like back in the day, I couldn't afford an assistant. So I had to know everything. But when I say that I don't want to know the detail, like for instance, um, I, this might sound crazy to someone who loves detail, but I travel a ton for work. And I often don't even, um, like I know the city I'm going to, but I don't know, I don't know the meetings I'm taking. I don't know anything until I look at, like I'm on the flight and I'm looking at my trip it. That's cool though. Yeah. That's so cool that you know yourself so that the, and the team knows who you are and what yeah. you need. And so it just starts to work together. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for me, it took me the longest time to, to understand this because for years I would sit in these meetings and the, they, the team, obviously like they need to figure out those, those tiny, like we got to cross our 
cross our T's and dot our I's. And I, it's exactly what you said. It makes my skin crawl. It feels like, I'm like, this feels like the biggest waste of time in the world. Cause I'm like, we've got goals and dreams and things to work for. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to know like what time the coffee arrives. I just, it's not my thing. So it took me a really long time to get to a place. I read enough books where I realized, Oh my gosh, I hate detail. And Michelle, my ops manager loves it. And so we're sitting in these meetings and just telling her that she's like, okay, I can shorten the amount of detail to exactly what you need and get rid of the stuff that you don't. And it's uh, such a gift in my life. Ah, uh, such a gift. Yeah. I being a two, one area I struggle that I literally read books about and I, I put it in front of me, like this is something I need to focus on when, because I care so much about the detail and I like to be in the organization, the systems. I am the leader of this team and I need to be the visionary. I need to have the big ideas and get creative and look forward. And it's hard to look forward when your head's down yeah. in the details. Yeah. And so I got that all day, girl. I oh, like, I'm so oh, jealous. I Give me a piece. For like anybody. I'm like, I got this. Let's go. Oh, I love that. I want that. I hope that we became, we stay friends and that, that rubs off on me. I will give you that all day. I've got the vision thing down. Oh, so good. I, part of it, the interesting part of that is if you are this person that you have these big goals and dreams and plans, you have to have a balance with the people who can, um, who can sort of temper that enthusiasm or go, okay, wait a minute. We've got to figure out how we've got to figure out that. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to figure out how I just want to tell you what, um, you know, we did, um, my 35th birthday gift to myself was we went to, um, business mastery in January. And one of my favorite parts of that was, um, no, no, don't figure out how just know the why and know the what you'll figure out how later, but if you can just allow yourself to see the goal of, of, of what it is you want to create. And if you know, in your belly, in your gut, this is why this matters to me, that will take you miles down the road. But if you stop and get caught in the minutia, if you have a dream and then immediately start asking yourself, okay, but, but how you stop yourself before you've even gotten Oh my gosh. I love that you shared this because I was almost going to tell you one of the ways I got in trouble working directly with Tony is that when he would tell me something he wanted to do and my mind went directly to how, and he would say, I don't even want you to think about how, like I am not there yet. And he, it's almost like you squash somebody's dreams when all you do is go into the how. Yes. And the crazy thing is that is what, when I would like cast a vision for the team, I have Michelle who would go and like her heart is in the best place. She wants so badly to help me get to where I want to go that she immediately starts calculating the risks, the money, the this, the time. But, and she, and then I'm like, well, golly, that just, that dream crushed me. (laughs) Um, so that's been a really powerful tool. And I think the key is like, you know, your strengths as a leader and you know what you need, you need, like it maybe isn't your place to always be the one who's like casting the big vision. But if you have, Someone on your team is like, but what if it could be bigger and grander and better? Um, I just think that's so powerful. I do too. And so your team, um, do you feel like you have a big mix of personalities or you, you got 
Like, is it, we, I made everyone in the office do the Enneagram. So we know each other's numbers like, oh, that's a, that's a one, you know, that person's being a nine. Um, I really need to get everybody to do that. I do have a lot of different personalities. I've got the introverts, the extro, extroverts. I have, um, my sidekick is even more detailed than me. So oh she's definitely more in the weeds, which is good so that I can force myself to be looking ahead and be more of that visionary, not force myself, but I guess encourage myself. <laughs> But I also have um, people on my team that just love to serve. So, of course, they are the community managers and the customer support. So I've got all kinds for sure. And I also love that I have a small, I say always small but mighty team. Mm -hmm. I never, ever wanted a big team. And even six full-time people feels like a big team to me. So it's important to me that we keep it just around that number because – I, I, I just really love to be um, nimble and quick and small because we can, I feel like we get so much more done. I come from that corporate world where I've seen what huge teams do and look like, and it's mm-hmm. not always pretty. Well, and I think too, I've heard more and more over the last couple of years that I think six or seven is when is, is the max that any single person is supposed to lead on a team. Oh like my that. gosh, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah, that's um um. I don't know if you've have you ever gone to a Dave Ramsey conference? I haven't. Just oh, uh, so business good. boutique, but that's yeah. different. Yeah, that's different. And Christie's amazing, but it's it's definitely worth if you can go to anything with entree leadership. Um, so so great. But he has a lot of wisdom about leading teams and getting like his thing is you cannot successfully manage more than six or seven people at a time as a single person because it's like kids like you can't possibly lead them well guide them you at some point you have to break off and then have new divisions so it's like if you don't want a company that's 17 layers deep keeping it to something small and tight is is what you have to do okay good that makes me happy then i'm right on track you're right on track (laughs) hey guys we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview but now a quick word from a sponsor Having Rise FOMO? No worries, because we've got tons of Rise events coming your way in 2019. Make sure and check out letsrise.co for all the info. Need a date night? Schedule one, girl. Do your future self a favor and get cozy. It's the app that keeps my whole family schedule in one place, so I can add a date night with Dave, and it automatically gets added to both our calendars. Get Cozy, C-O-Z-I, for free from your app store or at Cozy.com forward slash Rachel. Hey, y'all, do me a favor. While you're listening to today's episode, take a screenshot and put it on Instagram or your Insta stories and tag me. I love hearing what you think and seeing what you're up to, and it helps the tribe remember to go listen to this week's episode. Thanks so much. You know what it is? It's, I think it's really rare to have the opportunity to talk to um, definitely another entrepreneur, but women, especially who are in a similar field. It it feels like um, I have, speaking of Christy, I have the same, um, I have the same excitement when I became friends with her because I was like, oh my gosh, you, you speak my language and you understand what I'm talking about, which is just a, it's a, it's a field that not a lot of people understand. Um, And I'm curious how you navigate um, this online space where it is you have a business where you have this incredible knowledge and you can help people grow and scale their companies. 
But simultaneously, what's sort of expected in this day and age is that you're also a personality yourself. So you're also putting your face out there. How has that been? Like, was the business like that in the beginning where you were the face of what you were doing? And how has that piece, you as a personality, morphed and changed over time? Oh, man, I've always been the face of the business. And like I said, in the, back in 2009, 2010, it just wasn't something that was a big deal. People were probably doing it. I wasn't noticing it because that wasn't where my focus was. So I was all business, business, business. I didn't even share that I had a husband or a son or anything like that. I just got down to business, YouTube channels on Facebook, anywhere anyone would listen. I talked to list building and course creation and social media. But over the last few years, That has dramatically changed. And I have a quick story for you. I, as you know, have a podcast and I talk business on my podcast 90% of the time. But over the last year, I've gotten a little bit more relaxed and taken people behind the scenes. They've gotten to meet my husband, Hobie, and he's been on the show and we've talked things out and it's been really cool. But I did one episode about my weight. So I have struggled with being overweight so much of my life. And I was thinner when I started my internet marketing business. And so I started getting really self-conscious that people would start judging me like, what's wrong with her? Why has she gained this weight? What's going on? Little did they know that my weight's been up and down all my life. And so I decided that I didn't want to be embarrassed about it. And I didn't want to do video because of it. Although I still did video, I cringed every time I saw myself on video and I had so much shame behind it. Mm -hmm. So one day I woke up and I thought, I cannot feel this way. I love my tribe. I love what I do. I think that they would understand if I was honest with them. And if they don't, I'm just going to do this for me. So I wrote out a script. I don't script my podcast, but I could not talk about this stuff without it being in a script. I wrote out a script that turned out to be nine minutes exactly, where my podcast is usually 45 minutes. So all I could do is talk for nine minutes. And I told my tribe, listen, this is going to be a weird podcast, but I am embarrassed to be on video because of my weight. And when you see me, I think you think, what does this girl know? She's overweight, so she might not, she likely doesn't have it all together. And I wanted to let you know that I feel shame behind that and I don't want to anymore. And I even told a story about my son's birthday. And when he went to school after his birthday, I ate all his cupcakes when I was super stressed out about something. Like I got gritty and just to the embarrassing stuff about it, kind of like you shaving your toes. I talked about like my cupcake eating story that they weren't even my cupcakes. They were my sons. I felt horrible. So anyway, I told this story in nine minutes and afterwards uh, I called up my virtual assistant and I said, oh, maybe I've like gone a little crazy. Maybe we shouldn't do this. And she's like, we're doing it. We're doing it. Anyway, the podcast went live a little while ago. And now when I show up at events, the people that come up to me, men and women, they're not saying, I love your list building course or thanks for teaching me how to run my online business. They say, thank you for the weight issue. I feel the same. And I'm like, what is going on? going on, but that's what they're saying. Yeah. I feel like it is women, women, especially so badly want to know that they're not alone in the things that they struggle with. And I know because I'm sitting here nodding with you, like I, we all have, unless you're just, you know, blessed and an angel have all have body image issues that we carry around most of us since we were little girls. Yes. So I feel like it's that it's the commonality. You can listen to someone like 
you and, and, oh man, and Amy's built this incredible business and she has this really successful podcast and she's an expert in her field and I can never, and then you find, oh, oh, she struggles with that too. Oh, she worries about that too. She has mm-hmm. threats too. And it just, it makes you human. And in fact, when you started telling the story, I'm like, she's going to say this is her most successful podcast. It's so true. <laughs> because the, it makes my head explode a little bit, but I've just d- decided to be okay with it. The most successful episodes of my podcast, and I think we have three of them, are the ones where I interview my husband. Oh and my gosh. I, <laughs> I have the same thing. Do you know the women that have been, do you know the powerhouse badass women that have been on this podcast? And it's because people just want, like, what's the, yeah, but tell me what the truth is. Show me behind the curtain. Show me the reality. So I get that. And man, I love you for, for having the courage to put that out there because it's so hard and you know it's a really interesting space to be in on social because on the one hand you're like I I can understand that this will probably be helpful to other women but then simultaneously I know people there are going to be people who are mean or I know people are going to say something or now they know this thing about me that I wish that they didn't know and is am I willing to put that out there so it takes a lot of courage and I just love you for for doing that. Good for Thank you, you, sister. Yeah. Man, we've like, we've covered, we started, we've traveled the world <laughs> I know. over and back. Are you a book reader? Are you a big book nerd? I am. I'm more of an audible, which okay. I that know counts. people say this to you all the time, but literally I tell people, don't read her book. You need to listen to her book. <laughs> oh, You're great. so good on oh, audible, but you. yes, I, I'm an audible girl. Okay. So what is, we tell us a book, it could be, you know, if you need to narrow it down in the last year or you could do a lifetime, um, a book that's been really helpful to you in business or personal development. Year of Yes, Shonda Rhimes, the best book ever. Love it. Yes. She is just a total boss, babe. She's doing things on her terms. And my favorite part of the book is she talks about the fact that you will never have complete work-life balance. And she tells this beautiful story, I won't ruin it, about when she didn't have work-life balance and what it looked like. And you almost just like want to cry for her, but you get it. So I absolutely love that book. And I've probably listened to it on my walk with my dog, Scout, probably 15 times. That's awesome. Um, You, I know, obviously you have your own podcast, but besides your podcast, what are your favorite podcasts to listen to? So one of my very favorites is The Life Coach School by Brooke Castillo. And the reason I chose this one to share with you is I'm all business. Like I relate everything to business and what she teaches about creating boundaries and knowing when to say yes and no and not beating yourself up. All of that seeps into being an entrepreneur. So I learn something new every single day. Man, I've never heard that. Oh, it's so good. I'm so excited. I wrote it down. Good. Do you go to conferences for business or personal growth? And if so, what are your favorite ones? I I do. I go to marketing ones. So social media marketing world is one in San Diego I'm at all the time. And then I'm also part of a mastermind. So I actually pay to show up four times at a business <laughs> conference to get coaching. So when I was just starting out, I went to tons of them because I wanted to meet people and get myself out there. Now I'm very selective and I tend to pay a pretty penny for some of the best of the best, but that's just because that's where the season I am in my life. Absolutely. And I think um, that I mean, listeners know this, but there's nothing that I feel like is more powerful for your life or your business 
then to step outside of regularly scheduled programming and get a chance to surround yourself with like-minded people, to think a little bit differently, to ask different questions. Um, The reason Tony is my hero is because UPW changed my life. And I already felt like my life was going pretty well. Um, And then years later, then changed my marriage because I took my husband. And I, that was what really, I'd gone to conferences for years, but that was what really made me start consuming like, okay, who else is out there? And what else can I learn from? And even if you just get, if you go somewhere, even if you just get a, a handful of things to take back and put in your toolkit, I feel like it is such a valuable tool, particularly to those listeners who are maybe starting out in business and don't have a lot of people in their community who understand what it is to be an entrepreneur. Uh, so just I really want to encourage anyone who's like, maybe I could, yes, sister, do that. Find something yes. in your life and, and get in there. So I end every episode, I ask the same five questions because they're the weird things that I always wonder about other women in business. And I'm going to ask them to you. Okay. What time do you wake up in the morning? 5 a.m., but I don't typically get up till 5.15. Yeah, I'm a 5 a.m. too. What do you Are do? You? Yeah, every day. What do you do with that time? So the first hour is just me. I do journaling. I drink my coffee. I um, sometimes meditate, but first hour, just me because all the boys are still sleeping. Yeah, love that. Um, So what is your, you just said coffee, so I know you drink it. What's your like dream coffee order? You go into a coffee shop, like calories don't count. What are you having? Okay, this is so silly because it doesn't seem like a dream, but I am a butter coffee kind of girl, like bulletproof coffee. And in New York, (laughs) you can walk into places and you can get what they call crack, but it's butter coffee. And I was in pure heaven last time I went to New York. I have asked that question to like a hundred women and I've never had someone say that. Does it taste good? I thought people only drank it because it made you not hungry. Like I'm obsessed with it. I think it tastes like chocolate when it's made right. Okay. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to try it. I'm curious. You've got to try it. Um, What is the one item you cannot travel without? My earbuds all the time. I don't like to use anybody else's earbuds. Yeah, that's gross. (laughs) I hear that. Uh, what is your favorite physical activity and how often do you do it? I love a good walk and I do it every single day with my dog. It's my favorite thing and I do it alone and I've got my earbuds in and I'm listening to podcasts every single day. Okay. Last question is if you could tell the women listening to this podcast one piece of advice that you know would to be true and they would actually listen. They would take it in. They would absorb it as their truth. What is the one thing you would say? Ooh, so good. The one thing that I would tell women, I would say that what you are creating today will look dramatically different in just a few years from now because it always changes. So don't worry that everything is the biggest decision in your life and everything has to be perfect and done a certain way. Make decisions, take action daily because I promise you it's going to morph into something different and beautiful. So let it just do that and don't put so much pressure on yourself with all the decisions that you're making right now to build what you want to create. Oh, so good. Thank you so much. Amy, oh, I girl. love it. This has been so oh, much fun. Man, thank you so much. I know that so many women who are listening are really going to um, 
get some incredible wisdom. I know I got some incredible wisdom from the things that you said today. I'm absolutely going to put all of Amy's details in the show notes. You guys need to go tell us really quickly. Like if someone's listening, they're like, yes, I don't have an email list, but I definitely want to build that and learn like what's the best thing that you offer. Where do they start? Oh, thanks for asking. If you go to amyporterfield.com forward slash list building, easy as that. I've got a free little mini course that will get you started with list building. Don't have to pay a dime. You can jump right in. Perfect. We will be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, if you have a moment and you can write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that is life to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, you can check out deuspodcast.com or stalk me on every form of social media. I am Miss Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.